is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous tuesday november 7th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful in the neighborhood, and the news desk was crazy today. Absolutely. We have an absolutely stacked menu lined up for you guys. First up on the show, China-Russia intensify efforts to expedite new gas route in new supply agreement. Next up, Southeast Asia's LNG investments predicted to hit peak by 2040. That's according um, to a new study um, out of the Asia Research and Engagement Institute there in um, Singapore. So Stu will cover what all they're saying. Next up, uh, Mideast War. Turn spotlight on Arab gas pipeline. Um, that's big for all, you know, speaking of LNG development, um, that's huge. And finally, following BP's exit, operatorship of giant gas discovery changes hands as U.S. player takes the rings. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so we will, uh, Stu will dive into exactly who's taking over that big BP gas position over there. He'll toss it over to me. I'll quickly cover what happened in the oil and gas markets today um, and then touch slightly on a deal that happened in Canada. Um, interesting. I'm just familiar with the Canadian M&A market as, as uh, I am the U.S., but this is an interesting deal, and and, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 cover it from from a few different angles, and then we will uh, let you guys get out of here and start your gorgeous Tuesday. Before we do all that, guys, remember everything you are about to hear. The stories and analysis are brought to you by the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Stu and the team does a great job of curating that website, making sure it stays up to speed. To make sure you're at the tip of the spear when it comes to the energy business. Um appreciate um, the team's hard work for that. You can hit us up dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. That's our data news combo. Lead us some comments, email the show questions, energynewsbeat.com. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube at Energy Newsbeat. And again, appreciate everybody who uh, supports the show. Check out the description below, timestamps, links, everything you'll need um, to, to, to stay informed with the show. I'm going to Brett though, Stu, where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with my buddy. Um, the producer can slide in the picture that we have for us. This is actually what I think I look like, but I know. The dude, that- you think this is what you, you think you look like the dude? The dude. This is actually Jeff Bridges, and I mean, he looks good. And so now uh, the, the it's a little gif, and he goes, it's the best Scooby I've seen in a long time. And Ananias uh, is actually a wonderful resource on Twitter. And so we'll have his uh, contact information. But let me read this one phrase to you because I really had to go, hmm? But it made sense. If the Biden administration is trying to bring additional oil supplies from Venezuela and Iran to avoid high and gasoline, oil and gasoline prices next summer before the 2024 elections, they will not succeed unless we have a recession. End of story. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) I mean, it's, I I think what we're doing with it, with, with Venezuela and trying to bring the, I mean, it's, it's pretty backwards considering what we should be doing, exploiting our own energy resource. So pretty crazy. I don't get it. And and quite honestly, I think Ananias is dead on right. 
Because if they, in order for it to work, they're going to have to have a recession. In order to have a recession, they're going to, people are tired. All right, let's run on down the road. I just, I love Ananias. China, Russia intensify efforts to expedite new gas route supply agreement. Michael, this is a 30-year agreement that is mm-hmm. just nuts. When you sit back and take a look at the collaboration between China and Russia, it is mm-hmm. going crazy. So right now, the 30-year agreement deliveries commenced in 2019. It will reach full capacity of 38 billion cubic meters in 2025. Michael, that is a lot of gas and a lot of energy for through Siberia to China. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Well, it, what it really does is it is it, you know, it, it shows a few things. I think the first thing it shows that sanctions, as much as we wish they work, don't. And not to pat you on the back again, Stu, but sanctions don't work because if you don't have every single country commit to them, it doesn't mean anything. So, you know, we try to cut off oil supply here. We try to cut off gas supply via the Nord Stream. I mean, we didn't bomb it. It was somebody else. So just put that out there. The sarcasm, of course, it was the Ukrainian seals. But we they're going to find a way to sell their product because it's 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 a valuable commodity in the market. I do find it funny. You know, in my opinion, the real question is they're striving to build a closer energy partnership. I mean, that's a middle finger to the U.S., Stu, a big middle finger to the U.S. and the West. Oh, it is. And uh, that is increasingly uh, something we see in all the articles. In fact, there's a couple of great ones on in Newsbeat today where they're having uh the whole everybody's flipping their finger off at the u.s so all right let's roll to the next one southeast asia lng investments predicted to peak by 2040 so we have a peaker here on the show he just happened to walk in i think it was jerry nadler's he was walking off stage more natural gas. that was funny by the way um, more natural gas facilities will be firing in southeast asia more than two decades that is just nuts. Here comes, if allowed to continue, the expanded LNG uh, stands to thwart efforts to keep global warming below 1.5. Growing investment in LNG by the Philippines, Vietnam, and other Southeast Asians will not only help push the world further beyond this critical target. People don't understand that the only successful markets that will be rolling will be the Asian markets because they're going to continue to use low cost uh, energy and they're going to actually have lower input imprint than using renewables. Look at this, Michael. The Philippines received a shipment in April to fuel a 1,200 megawatt power plant. Uh, even though through its declining uh, reserves in the natural gas field, the LNG is saving Asia. Yep. Well, uh, because it's it's it provides, again, that baseload energy that people so desperately need, specifically where you're in um, a, a part of the world where access to low cost energy can drastically right. improve your standard of living. You know, I think it's interesting. Kurt Metzger, he's the energy transition director um, for that Asian research Council. He said Southeast Asia's limited legacy LNG infrastructure makes the pivot to low carbon power sources a viable option compared to investing in new LNG infrastructure. So I think what they're attempting to do is say, since they don't have any LNG, we might as well go build some unprofitable wind and solar. So we know where that'll end up. 
Oh, absolutely. It'll be back into Germany uh, shooting themselves in the foot and, you know, providing some extra shoes for them to eat in the winter. All no right. Kidding. What's next? Let's go to let's go to the next one. We're going to go to the mid Midwest Mid East Pipe War turned spotlight on Arab gas pipeline. Boy, I got all choked up on that one. Michael, the Israel Hamas war has not significantly impacted Mid East oil and gas flows. But I'll tell you what, it's shaking everybody up and really bringing energy security to the forefront. Um, Jordan imports almost all the energy it needs. If it's, uh, it would have serious socioeconomic implications. I mean, that's just amazing. If we take it, uh, the, there's a map on this. If we could have the producer slide it in. You take a look at that pipeline. You have the Egypt pep pipeline around Port Said. You have the Arab pipeline. You have the gas future extended, the dotted line there. And then you take a look at that. You eliminate that pipeline and it becomes a horrible problem there. Well, and I, I think I've been covering this for the past week. I think that the, the sentiment on the street has been, wow, this this Israel-Gaza war that's going on right now hasn't really moved prices upward. If anything, we've seen a, a softening of prices. And why? Well, on a macro level, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like there's going to be a huge effect on the overall supply and demand, considering that straight of Hormuz will always stay open. I mean, we've deployed a, a nuclear submarine to the Mediterranean, if only because we understand the vital importance of making sure things like these gas flows and oil flows continue. But I think what's interesting is that doesn't mean that countries in inside this Arab gas pipeline and who are connected to could uh, experience short bursts of them not having the available gas that they need. I mean, specifically along that Egypt-Gaza border right there, as you mentioned, from Port Said um, to Ashlakhan up there, you know, really right there north of the Gaza Strip. So it'll be very interesting. Yes, overall, worldwide gas flows and oil flows may not be affected so much to the point where we've seen a softening of prices, but that doesn't mean something crazy could happen. And I think this article does a really good job of of kind of separating the two and say, sure, overall world supply might stay the same, but we may have spurts of zero supply going through this key area, which could lead for massive terminal. They mentioned Lebanon, specifically Syria. You know, there are other things, Jordan, as we mentioned um, right. earlier. So lots going on in this region. Oh, it, it is. And and so buckle up. We don't know. We hope for the best. But uh, Michael, yeah. that brings us to the next one coming around the corner. Following BP's exit, operatorship of giant gas uh, discoveries changes hands as U.S. player takes the reins. Mm-hmm. I really like this one. Um, and, and Cosmos is the, um, I believe, Dallas-based uh, energy firm that's taking over for this. And I was looking around on their website today and they are uh, a offshore firm. Do you know much about them? I mean, I know a little bit about Cosmos. I know the fact that, you know, they're, they're, they're what I would call a cash flow style company, which means they're going to live and die off cash flow. And if they're going in and acquiring this 90% working interest, specifically in this gas field, it means right. they plan to produce the heck out of this 25 trillion cubic feet that they've got. So I think it's an interesting move. I, I, you know, from BP, it probably is more of a consolidation of their assets to the Gulf of Mexico versus a, you know, a move that maybe makes operational and economic sense. We know they've been pulling off um, wind farm. This is probably a shift away from 
heavy natural gas wind assets specifically to be able to invest more um, in their oil business. Um, But, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. You know, these large projects, you won't know if this is a good deal or not for two, three years. But in two, three years, it'll be obvious whether or not it's a good deal. And we'll be able to look back and see if that that 25 trillion cubic feet is actually a legitimate number. Yeah, that field, the uh, Yakar Tangara uh, gas field, uh, he they got 90 percent working interest in that bad dog. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. They can they, they'll be able to crank it up. I'm going to reach out to uh, Andrew in, uh, English and see if I can get him on the podcast. That would be a really good one to visit with, see what his okay. thoughts are on it. It would. You want to talk about people in the forefront of energy security right there, baby. All right. That's all I got, man. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and and quickly shift over to finance here. Overall markets were fairly slim today. S&P only up about eight, uh, about tenth of a percentage point. NASDAQ up three tenths of a percentage point really as as the market, you know, comes under and really is digesting a lot of the data that happened last week. We obviously saw the Fed come out and keep interest rates the same. We saw a few other data points, specifically unemployment uh, come up, you know, weaker than what we would have expected or stronger than what we would have hoped for, specifically the fact that rising unemployment rate will probably help lower interest rates. But as 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 we know that uh, we'll see how the Fed decides to play that one. Looking at oil prices, too, we actually had a little bit of a choppy day. We were up about two and a, you know, maybe a percent, percent and a half um, towards the latter half of the day. Saw a little bit of a tumble currently sitting at 80, 92 you know, here's we record this about 545 here on Monday evening. So, you know, a, a interesting movement down. Really what we're, we're what we're seeing in that is over the weekend, I think the big news, Stu, is that Saudi reaffirmed both on Sunday that they're going to continue the additional voluntary cuts of 1 million barrels per day in, in hopes of keeping their output about 9 million barrels. That really kind of buoyed prices early, late, mm. um, um, you know, early on is the trading session, but then we saw a big fall off again. I think a lot of this production cut news has really been baked into the market. And I read somewhere that Saudi is, is, is considering another drop and they will continue to reevaluate as they go. Um, you know, and specifically here's what, um, this is UBS strategist, Giovanni Starvano. The cuts could be extended into the first quarter of 2024 because quote, seasonal weaker oil demand at the start of every year, ongoing economic growth concerns in the aim of producers and OPEC to support the oil market stability and balance could mean that these cuts will continue and that will only help keep prices where they're at. But again, um, with the overall market, really not pricing in much of what's going on in the Israel Hamas conflict right now. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how things continue to play out. Gas prices um, did open up a little bit lower today. Natural gas currently trading at three dollars and twenty eight cents after opening a little um, or after closing a little under three dollars and fifty cents. Again, mainly due to a little bit of of, of warmer weather. We uh, ex, uh, warmer weather is expected to kind of come through here, and and specifically in the winter, that's going to lead to to slightly softer prices. Um, I think the only other interesting thing of note, Stu, we saw was a you know we we did see some you know Sandridge Energy went ahead and uh, announced earnings. We saw Cotera Energy announce earnings. Um, you know, yesterday we we specifically covered kind of our last peek at what Pioneer's doing. But I thought there was one interesting deal north of the border, aka in Canada, which are our second favorite um, country. Out, you know, we love Alberta. And and that you know not so much maybe uh, Ontario or wherever uh, wherever Quebec is it Quebec is that where their capital is Quebec. so maybe maybe Quebec Quebec in California they got a lot in common but uh, we love everybody up in Alberta 
I'm not as familiar with the with, uh, with the Canadian M&A market, but but a private oil and gas company, Hammerhead Inc. Um, they're actually a public company here trading on the Nasdaq HHRS. They've gone ahead and announced an indefinite agreement um, to go ahead and sell to Crescent Point, a uh, pretty large oil and gas operator with significant stake up there, um, specifically in that Montney Shale. You know, that's big. The way it's been described to me, the Montney is the equivalent of the Permian Basin Stu. It's thick zones couple different uh, pay zones you can target. You know, you can kind of wine rack the, the wells. You get a lot per location. Everything, everyone loves a good little um, Montney shale buy. So um, I, I also love the accent. Whenever you're talking to anybody up there with the CEOs I visit with, Montney. <laughs> Montney, Montney. Um, so Hammerhead and, and Crescent Boy, both public companies. Hammerhead majority actually owned by Riverstone, though. Um, so they're going to go ahead and cash out. Um, this deal is about $2.55 billion. And assumes a 17% premium over the five-day um, weighted trading volume average. You know they're doing about uh, 56,000 BOE per day. So if you do the math on that deal, Stu, it's about 45,000 per flowing wow. BOE, which is you know not horrible considering the fact that they'll, they'll claim there's 800 locations available to drill. So you know again, All tier one. I I don't want to make a one-to-one comparison between the Permian and the Montney, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's probably not 800 locations that are worth drilling. We'll probably cut that number in half. Um, but this again is another consolidation move. You know, surprised we're not seeing more of this. To be honest, when it comes to Canadian oil and gas, considering we're seeing a lot of it, you know, in the United States, where you would consider the returns are going to be a little bit better considering right. the diversification. But you know, good for the hammerhead. You know, I'm, I'm never one to stand up for Riverstone. They're not necessarily known to uh, you know as much as I want to stand up and uh, and, and cheer that a private equity company got paid. I think it's uh, a good deal for the management team there. You know that 17% premium, not horrible. I mean, it's a little bit better than what I, 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 a little bit better than what Exxon paid for Pioneer. So, uh, you know, good for good for Riverstone able to negotiate. But you know, we'll we'll be following this one closely. And again, cool. what a, what what a, is this a good deal or not? Only time will tell. But uh, we will we'll be following this one. Um, congrats to the Crescent Point team and and, and Hammerhead all in one. That's really all I've got, Stu. What else? What what else should we be worried about this week? Oh, uh, just more coming around the corner. I get to visit with some more folks from Norway. Uh, I got a few others coming up, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We just dropped Captain uh, Kelly's. Uh, He was a hoot. I actually got a little choked up on that one as the staff got that one out there. That was uh, a little rough as he was talking about it, but it is about energy, uh, solving the energy problems. So it's pretty cool. Humanitarian. Absolutely. So, well, we appreciate everybody sticking with us here on this Tuesday. You know, stay strong. Week is almost done here, but we'll let you get out of here and finish and start your day. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. 